This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. The legends are true! But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, December 29th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad. I don't sound very good. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what's going on over there? Yeah, so we, we had some trouble with my mic. I don't know why, but no matter where we tried to record... Uh, I sounded like a robot, and that was worse than what I sound like now. So we just went with uh, what we had, and I'm going to see if maybe replacing my mic cord will fix the problem. Because uh, I don't have one necessarily near me that I can easily find. So here, here we are. Okay, well, we're we're closing out the year in fine form. On right? a high note. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What have you been really doing recently? Uh, well, you know, it's the Christmas season, or at least it was the Christmas season, and now it's over, and we're in that weird time between Christmas and New Year where time doesn't matter. Uh, but for Christmas this year, you know, I, we all have our, like, traditions as far as, like, the kind of things we like to watch. You know, sometimes you watch uh, episodes of your shows that are focused around the holidays. Uh, people have, like, the movies that they watch every single year along with maybe some new ones. Uh, but one of the things I've been doing uh, more recently uh, for the past, I would, I think like probably been like three years now, um, is I made it a tradition to watch uh, Saturday Night Live Christmas sketches alongside my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, every year, Saturday Night Live, they have like uh, what is their Christmas special, which is just a collection of holiday sketches from years before. And there's roughly like 75% of them are the same every year. It's like the big hits, like uh, Sweaty Balls, and uh, like Santa's my boyfriend, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, you know, some of the Christmas themed stuff. But then they switch up some of the more recent ones that they have, depending on what year it is. So like this year, they put in the Christmas Carol sketch that Martin Short and Steve Martin did in their the episode they hosted recently. Uh, and so they they switch it up every now and then. And I always like watching that. But also, uh, the SNL YouTube channel has a bunch of sketches that are available online uh, and tons of the Christmas sketches. So I just have a playlist where I keep track of all of the SNL holiday sketches. Uh, and I like to play them, just watch them with my family and just have a, have a good laugh. So if you, if you don't do that, I suggest doing it because it's a lot of fun. 
that's awesome yeah that sounds like a cool idea and uh yeah a, a good way i mean i'm surprised that they were able to like uh, get the um the steve martin martin short one in a special so quickly i mean it uh, it just seems like that's not something that they would do but uh that, that's cool to hear yeah yeah it's pretty great um, all right, let's get into what you've been watching. What have you been watching recently, Brad? Uh, so I decided to watch the Bob's Burgers movie, uh, which I wasn't necessarily planning to until I got around to catching up with Bob's Burgers. But since I'm about nine seasons behind, <laughs> uh, I, fi- I figured maybe maybe just do it. Uh, because I, I watched like the f- roughly, I think it was pretty much the entire first season of Bob's Burgers. And uh, I liked it. I didn't stop watching it because I didn't like it. I, I fell behind at one point and I never caught up. And then like, I had to switch my uh, I lost my DVR because I switched away from like Xfinity cable or something like that. And so I just lost the episodes I had recorded and never caught up uh, and haven't since, even though I keep thinking about it every now and then. And every year it gets more daunting because there's always a new season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided to take a chance on watching uh, the Bob's Burgers movie because I also watched the Simpsons movie without having watched, you know, a pretty decent handful of episodes of the Simpsons because, you know, as we all know, the Simpsons kind of fell off in quality and not a lot of people that love the show in its early years have really kept up with it that much. Um, so I watched the movie and uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it wasn't quite as funny as I anticipated. Um, and I, I've since learned after talking to some friends who uh, watch the show regularly, that the vibe of the show has kind of shifted from the first few seasons and it's gotten a lot more musical. And that's kind of what they leaned into for the movie because there's a lot of uh, original songs in it and it's very much a a musical animated movie. Um, So if anything, I would say I was more just consistently mildly amused throughout. It's a very, uh, you know, enjoyable movie, uh, but it wasn't one that I found myself laughing out loud a lot. I was kind of just chuckling to myself. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, um, I've heard that the, the, the show is, uh, pretty, pretty good. And that like probably the first few seasons are the ones that I, I personally might enjoy the most, but that it's still pretty good even as they start to veer into their, their more musical territory. Do you keep up with Bob's burgers at all? I don't, I've never seen it. And, um, I watched the trailers for the movie and I was like, Oh, this seems like something that I would enjoy. But like you said, you know, that, that, uh, pile of episodes to get through is so daunting. And I just, uh, I don't know, like, I, I guess I, there's precedent for me watching a movie um, f- version of a long running show without having seen the show, because I remember my friends really wanted to go see uh, the Simpsons movie when that came out in 2007. And I saw that with them, even though I've still never seen an episode of the Simpsons. So, uh, yeah, I, guess so it would be, I guess it would be the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting about the, um, the sort of tonal shift of the show because just from the outside, uh, I never would have guessed that. It just seems like a you know sort of typical animated comedy. So the idea that they could t- take a, a big swing like that and, and sort of take a, a left or right turn or something is uh, is, is interesting. So, um, hmm, okay, well, yeah. Uh, so I guess the question then, Brad, is like after watching this, is this does it make you more or less likely to want to go back <laughs> and watch the show? Maybe a little less, but like not not much because uh, you know, as like I said, as, as I understand it, like the earlier seasons of the show, they're not quite as musical as this. And it's not that I don't enjoy the musical aspect, but it feels like it kind of changed the vibe of the show a little bit, maybe because mm-hmm. um, the songs are still you know funny and they're they're well done. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it's for me, it's just that that idea that there are just so many seasons and so many episodes of the show that just like tr- thinking about trying to catch up, even though they're you know short twenty two minute episodes, it's it's still a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll okay. see. What else have you been watching? I finally saw avatar the way of water uh i i would have seen a press screening for this movie except i got the flu when i came back from utah and it was like the nastiest flu 
uh, I've had in years. So I was in bed for almost an entire week and still recovering even as I headed into Christmas. And of course, Christmas made things crazy busy. Uh, my girlfriend is back in town from uh, Utah. And so I just have had a lot to do. And so it just took me forever to get around to finally seeing Avatar. But I saw it last night uh, in HFR 3D, as uh, James Cameron intended. <laughs> um, and uh, it's I, it's very good. Um, the, as a sequel, I think that it's better than the original Avatar. Uh, the story is better, even though it's not necessarily anything uh, refreshing or, or groundbreaking. Uh, it, it feels like it works better than the first movie, but it's also still somewhat frustratingly simple. Uh, I think the expansion of like the family dynamic and what what you were focusing on and the conflict of this one being a little bit uh, different and more more complex and, and complicated makes it more enjoyable. But the star of this movie is undoubtedly uh, the visual spectacle again, and also the expertly phenomenally crafted action sequences by James Cameron. Um, the action in this movie is just amazing and it's, it's all the more mesmerizing because like the visual effects are so good that you forget that most of what you're watching isn't real. Uh, it's, it's incredible. The, 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 from the water effects to how good it looks when you have human characters standing next to the Navi, uh, like it's an incredible improvement even over the first movie, which was already a startling achievement in visual effects. But here, it's just like everything feels so tangible. The, the skin on the Navi when it's wet or dry or, or in sunlight, uh, like the way the water water moves over them, just just seeing all these environments stuff like that and knowing that like 95% of it is created with visual effects. It is just absolutely stunning. Uh, like I, I couldn't stop thinking about it as I was watching. I was, I was just amazed uh, at what they pulled off. Um, but like for me, you know, it's just, there's still, there's a stronger emotional core in this movie, but I feel like, it's um it kind of says something as to like whether or not you really care about like the characters when like for me the character that i cared about the most about is the pandora uh whale paya khan mm-hmm. um which was it's, it's a great character and the way like the the navi uh children you know interact with him and everything is is really a, a touching part of the story but like i still I didn't, I didn't find myself caring as much about the Navi characters, like the Sully family, I think as much as they want you to, I definitely cared more than I did in the first movie. Uh, but there's still, there's something missing right there. And I'm not necessarily sure what it is. I don't know if it's just that Cameron is keeping things so simple that it, it's just doesn't feel like it's engaging me on in the level that I want it to, mm-hmm. uh, or what, but I, yeah. So I still walked away very much enjoying it and thinking it was a, you know, a great blockbuster sequel. Um, probably not one of my favorites of the year, but I was, I was thoroughly impressed by it. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly what you said. I think there there is like something where it feels like something is missing and it's because it's just so pared down to like this sort of elemental primal thing that Cameron is going for. Like he's talked a lot about like wanting these movies to work on sort of like this subconscious level almost. And I think when you try to, you know, uh, strip everything down to that, to get to that place, um, he just, he and the writers just like went a little bit too far with it. Cause I agree that it's a, an improvement on, especially what we saw in the first movie, like story-wise, but I, I also like, you know, how many times can those kids say the word bro? And like, you know, th- yeah. there's, there's some stuff in there that just feels like if you gave these characters, um, a little bit more of a personality than just pure archetype, I would be much more, uh, you know, much more like open and receptive to appreciating them as care as, as individual characters, instead of just like, Oh, this is the stand in for 
the you know surly kid and this is yeah. the you know uh the one who's communing with Awa and like you know it's just like there, there's not quite enough to the characters to really make me um latch on in a great way so i did find myself more drawn to sigourney weaver's uh teen character but at the same time i was taken out of it because it was sigourney weaver playing a teen character and there's just yeah. no mistaking her voice for sigourney weaver like she doesn't sound like a teenager she sounds like Sigourney Weaver. I know a lot of people really love that decision. And I just, it was very, it was so distracting for yeah. me. Like I, I just couldn't get over it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, that, that last action sequence though, like the, the part where it basically just turns into Titanic again, like, oh, so good. I, I mean, he's just killing it. So. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's worth seeing on the big screen for sure. Uh, even if you didn't like the first avatar, I, I'd say give this one a chance just to see how things have improved and uh, in, in pretty much every way. Um, however, and one thing I will say though, is that I still am of the mind that, uh, we do not need high frame rate to be the next big thing that James Cameron thinks it does, because, uh, even though the the 3d looks good, it still feels like for the first 15, 20 minutes that you're watching a video game cutscene, it's just unnaturally crisp. It ruins camera movements and Mm. I, I don't like it. Yeah. I've heard really, you know, I've heard horror stories about this. I, I just saw it in like, uh, standard 3d with no um high frame rate and i feel like that's i'm glad that i saw it that way because i feel like i would be sort of hypersensitive to every single time it changed frame rates and i would i would be taken out of it that way too so um yeah one day somebody's gonna crack it i think they're gonna figure out exactly what the right um combination is and i I like I, i like the idea of what james cameron's going for the idea of like I'm not going to do it for the entire movie like um, sort of Ang Lee did with Billy Lynn's halftime walk or whatever. I'm just going to do it in certain parts where it needs it. And I just don't think that from everything that I've heard, it just doesn't sound like they're there yet with that technology. So uh, yeah, maybe, maybe one day somebody will crack it, but um, what else have you been watching, Brad? I have also been watching the second season of the sex lives of college girls, uh, we've talked about the show before because I, I watched the first season not too long ago at the behest of both my girlfriend and one of my friends who uh, kind of basically said it was a college version of Never Have I Ever, which is a series that I, I also love very much on Netflix. Uh, and the series has been uh, great. You know, I love this this cast of characters. Uh, things are definitely getting more complicated for them uh, as, you know, their their college career continues. However, I will say there's one thing that I am getting frustrated with, with the show. And you have to tell me if you agree. I feel like they're doing the hip music transitions with establishing shots of the college in between scenes way too much. <laughs> like it feels like there's like a two minute scene. Then it's like, then it's like, Oh, hip music, college students walking around. Here's the, the place in college they're at and new scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah they definitely did that a lot in the first season i have not seen any of the second season yet i like i've banked all the episodes and my wife and i are, think are going to watch it like you know at, at the start of january once we get through our lord of the rings uh trilogy rewatch so um i'm looking forward to diving into to season two but what do you think about like the overall quality of the second season versus the first season no the writing is good they're um now that the, the characters are established they're really able to dig in uh you know to, to each of the characters and expand their their relationships there's there's some interesting uh decisions made for characters i won't spoil anything for you um but but yeah there's uh, i I, li- I still like the show i think it's really fun 
uh, and enjoyable and uh, like the characters uh, a lot. So yeah, I- I'm glad it's getting a third season and hopefully it doesn't get uh, you know taken back since HBO Max has been very scary with those decisions lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Sex Lives of College Girls, the first two seasons are available on HBO Max right now. Avatar The Way of Water is in theaters, obviously. Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie, where did you watch that, Brad? Do you remember? It's on Hulu. On Hulu, excellent. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. All right. For me, I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, the 2022 uh, uh, movie by Edward Berger. I think it's a German film. Um, Have you ever seen, have you seen this movie? And are you familiar at all with this, uh, this story, Brad? Uh, yeah, so I'm familiar with it, but I actually haven't seen uh, either the original or the remake yet. Okay. I never read the book in high school or anything. I think a lot of people probably are, are sort of forced to read it in English classes or something. But uh, I just like somehow stayed away from this entire story. Didn't really know much about it. I knew it was a war story. Um, and watching it, it is like it is like the... Uh, it's one of those war movies that that is very much like an anti-war movie. It is like explicitly about the horrors of war and um just how um sort of terrible everything is and and uh how um vindictive people can be and like how pride can can really um trickle down in a in a huge way in this sort of like um structure of the of the military where like somebody high up will uh have their wounded pride and make a decision that um trickles down and, and sort of ripples out in to affect thousands of people just based on nothing or a slight or whatever. Um, and just the, uh, the inhumanity of what these people have to do. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a really brutal movie. There's some obvious like uh, visual comparisons to something like 1917, which depicts the same war and is like a movie that I think a lot of people will think about as like a totemic world war one movie. Um, for me, I thought a lot about uh, Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory, which I watched for the first time this year and is also a World War One movie and also sort of touched on a lot of this, these same ideas. Um, this is a really like handsomely made movie that has some really gorgeous stuff in it, even though the um, actions depicted are, are really uh, kind of horrific. So, um, you know, it's not like a great time because it's not that kind of a story. But uh, if you're looking for like a really, really well-made war movie all quiet on the western front is streaming on netflix right now if you want to check that out uh and then brad i'm i'm so curious what you're going to make of this next thing that i want to talk about so i've seen the first five episodes of a new peacock show called paul t goldman which is uh the first three episodes are going to be um available on peacock on january 1st and then i think there are three more episodes so six total and the final three are going to be rolled out once per week after that uh, Jason Wolliner, who is the director of Borat 2, is the sort of mind behind this. And this is the most bizarre 
Peacock show, maybe the the most the most bizarre show period that I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so so weird. It I feel like the basic premise of this is so complicated to explain that you should just go try to watch the trailer for this to really get a sense of it. I'm going to try to give you the the most basic version that I can, but this thing is like you're taking a deep dive into the psyche of a human being that um, when you're in there, you, you are like looking over your shoulder and like, do I really want to be in here? Like, what, what am I going to see around any corner? So um, Paul T. Goldman is a guy. I'll just say that he's like a human being, a, a middle-aged sort of nebbish white dude who lives in Florida, who wrote a memoir uh, about his, his own life. And he self-published this thing. And he decided that he thought it was so good that he wanted to write a screenplay based on that. And so he did. And then he reached out. This is in like 2012-ish. He reached out to a ton of different filmmakers uh, on Twitter and just said like, hey, I have this this script. Like, do you want to collaborate with me on this project? Jason Wolliner, who is um, sort of a a mainstay in the comedy world and uh, was a former actor and has directed a lot of stuff, uh, including uh, Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal, some, or I'm sorry, the uh, Nathan For You, like some of, some of the episodes of that, um, several comedy things. And like I said, Borat 2 is probably like his biggest credit. He was, was the one person, I guess, who responded to this random outreach that this guy was doing and was like, yeah, this story sounds weird. I want to go for this. And so he spent the past 10 years making the show, like collaborating with this dude, who's just a random guy who has this outlandish story that he claims is totally true where he, I don't even know how many details I want to give away about it, but basically like his life, he he, um, comes in contact with this woman who he believes to be a uh, sex worker and uh, he, and, and, encounters crime and duplicity and uh, deceit and uh, betrayal and like all of these sort of operatic emotions that happen to this just normal, completely boring middle-aged dude. And he writes all about it and tries to make everything so like action-packed and all of this and uh, claims that every single thing that he says is true. And as the this series goes on, you realize that like some of this is true and some of this is definitely um uh, fabricated and like um, enhanced a little bit to make the story better. Um, but the, the way it's like the, the way that this is put together, Brad is like uh, episodes of the rehearsal, the, the Nathan Fielder show, but also a little bit of like um, the disaster artist or something where it's like uh, Jason Wolliner himself is a character in the show because uh <laughs> Paul T. Goldman plays himself in narrative recreations of his own script. <laughs> it's like the the levels of meta storytelling and stuff in this in this show are just off the charts. It's it's incredibly difficult to uh, summarize briefly, as you can tell. And I apologize for rambling, but man, this thing is just really really interesting. It's one of the most interesting shows that I've I've ever seen. So uh, I don't know if I like it really. I mean, I felt disbelief and humor and exasperation and secondhand embarrassment and sadness and all these different emotions while I was watching this thing. And it's utterly transfixing. It's completely mesmerizing. But uh, I'm not sure if it's like responsible or um, it's almost like 
Jason Wolliner is just sort of um, giving into this guy's delusions in a way. And like, I don't know if that's the, the most healthy decision that could have been made here. Um, the final episode is being held back from critics. So nobody has had a chance to see how this thing wraps up yet. And I think that's going to be a huge part of how people ultimately come away from this show. Like it, it, whether they stick the landing is going to be a really um, big deal, I think for this, but uh, man, that is, I just, I'm curious what people like you read who are like, you know, tapped into the comedy scene. Think about this because it's really cringy, but also you kind of can't look away. It has like this train wreck vibe to it. So um, does anything that I've said intrigue you at all about Paul T. Goldman? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the trailer, when I saw it, I was just like, what the hell is this? And, you know, I, I loved uh, the second Borat movie. You know, it's, I, I think it's a phenomenal achievement, you know, in, in comedy. So knowing that, you know, Jason Wallander did that and then, you know, his work on Nathan for you, I'm wholly interested in seeing what he has put together with this. Cause it's, it's, you know, with as long as it took for something like this to come together, like clearly he was able to like take something without necessarily knowing what it was going to become and turn it into this. So just the way it was created has me fascinated. And at the very least curious, uh, and the way you talk about it just sounds like it will at the very least, you know, be intriguing to watch unfold. So yeah, I I have screeners and I've been waiting to watch this. Uh, so I think I need, uh, I just really need to dig into it this weekend. It's so bizarre. Like the idea that he's acting out these events that he claims are from his own life. And like, they bring real actors into this thing too. Like Frank Grillo shows up at one point and like, uh, um, Dennis Haysbert and like character actors that you would know are appearing in this, like as these larger than life characters from Paul T. Goldman's life. And it's just like, it's, I mean, several times when I was watching these episodes, I was just like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> like, it's so, um, yeah, it's, it's a really singular viewing experience. So that is going to be the first three episodes are on Peacock on January 1st. So Paul T. Goldman is the name of the show. Once you watch it, you'll never forget his his name, I'm sure. Um, all right, Brad, what have you been eating recently? Uh, so I've tried out some uh, new candy bars that are out on shelves. Uh, this technically, uh, these both of these weren't technically supposed to be out until January of 2023. But of course, with like the the food snack industry, like stuff always gets put out on shelves early because I guess people just don't give a shit. Uh, so there's uh, two new cookie dough flavored candy bars, uh, both in the Twix and the Milky Way uh, variety. They've taken the traditional Twix and Milky Way candy bars and uh, they've put cookie dough filling into them. So uh, the Twix has cookie dough added with the caramel on the cookie and uh, same with the Milky Way. There's a cookie dough filling inside of it. Uh, and both are, are quite good. I, I prefer the Twix. I think the Twix uh, candy bar mixes a little bit better with the cookie dough flavor that, that's added. Uh, but the Milky Way one is also still very good. Uh, I found them both at uh, a new local 7-Eleven, but I've heard of them popping up at, at Walmart and other gas stations and convenience stores uh, and stuff like that. There's also the Twix have a um, a minis version where you can get a bunch of little uh, Twix cookie dough candy bars inside of a, a big bag. So the, uh, that's what you'll likely find at Walmart as well. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's my jam. That's the way to go. So I can just eat like, you know, five of them instead of one candy bar or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just be irresponsible with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also tried a, a new candy cane this year. Uh, that is a Twinkies flavored candy cane. Uh, there have been a lot of crazy flavor additions to candy cane other than, you know, the traditional peppermint stuff like that. You know, there's, there's have been some fruity ones, 
recent years have seen like Skittles and Starburst and stuff like that. There's even like spicy uh, ones that are out there. So this year, the, the new one that I was most intrigued by was Twinkies. Unfortunately, it's rather disappointing because it doesn't really seem like they captured the flavor of Twinkies. It feels like they captured the flavor of buttercream birthday cake. Because oh. uh, Twinkies, like the, the sponge cake and the cream has a very specific flavor, especially when they're combined in Twinkie form. Uh, and the candy cane just doesn't cover it. It's, it's, it's interestingly enough, it smells like a Twinkie, but the taste was just not on par with what the uh, the hostess snack cake traditionally offers. So they were they were disappointing. Uh, but if you were, want to try them for yourselves, uh, I found mine at Michael's, the craft store uh, near the register with other Christmas candy stuff. Maybe you'll find them like on discount or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe give them a shot yourself and see what you think. Okay, so that's Twinkie candy canes. And what else have we been eating? Uh, I also got uh, a new cereal sent to me. General Mills sometimes uh, sends over some new cereals. And there's a new s'mores version of Lucky Charms. It's the... Uh, so there's, in case you don't know, there's a chocolate version of Lucky Charms that's out there where the cereal pieces are chocolate flavored instead of the, the regular uh, cereal pieces. And this one has that those chocolate pieces with what is basically the equivalent of Golden Grahams. They don't say it's Golden Grahams, even though it, General Mills also owns Golden Grahams. I'm not sure <laughs> why they don't just be, say like, hey, we're putting Golden Grahams in the cereal. Uh, but it's that's basically what the cereal pieces are that represent the graham crackers. And then there's the regular Lucky Charms marshmallows and then also a little bit of uh, tiny white marshmallows for like the genuine s'mores effect and uh, it's pretty good it's probably on par with the post has a s'mores cereal that has been out for a while and it tastes a lot like that um so and I, it's not quite as good as the kellogg's s'more cereal which is s'mores with a z like american dreams um <laughs> and uh that that's my my favorite uh s'more cereal that has come out on shelves uh but this one is, it's still pretty good i didn't i didn't hate or anything like that it's just the, the s'mores with a z cereal is a little bit better okay and you've also been drinking something as well yeah i tried a new chocolate milk uh this is uh, something i actually forgot about because i tried this while i was in utah uh a friend of a friend had uh has launched a new chocolate milk basically they um for a while, they they liked the the taste of Swiss cocoa, and they wanted to see that in uh, a chocolate milk. And so they created this new brand called Shogi Chocolate Milk. Uh, Shogi in I believe it's in German means chocolate. Uh, and so the idea was basically is to replicate the taste of Swiss cocoa in chocolate milk form. Uh, right now, it's only available in select grocery stores in Utah, Nevada, Idaho. Uh, and Wyoming, I think it is. Uh, they're trying to, you know, hopefully grow it and spread it around the country. Uh, but I got to try it at this launch event. It comes in little little bottles. Um, and it's definitely different than, like, your average chocolate milk. It's not like a Dean's chocolate milk or the kind you get from the grocery store or anything like that. It's it's less sweet. Um, it's It has a dark chocolate flavor, but as somebody who doesn't enjoy dark chocolate, I wasn't turned off by the flavor. It's It, it tastes more like a, a cocoa milk than, like, a your average milk chocolate milk. Um, and it's very, very good. And what's actually even cooler about it is that uh, it also tastes really good hot. Like it, you can basically turn it into hot chocolate by heating mm -hmm. it up. And it is, uh, I actually think it's better hot than it is cold, but it's still surprisingly delicious uh, cold too. So even if you don't like dark chocolate, if you happen to be in either of the states that, uh, any of the states that I mentioned, uh, feel free to to grab some and try it out because it's, it is really, really good. Um, and it's not something you're easily going to find everywhere. So just just try it if you find it. Intriguing. So that is Shogi Chocolate Milk, S-H-O-G-I. Excellent. Yeah, and that's um, that's it. 
Cool. All right. Yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. Like I said before, I'm not sure what our schedule is going to look like. I know that we're not going to have an episode on Monday because of the sort of observed holiday. Um, so hopefully we'll be back on Tuesday. I'm not sure if Peter's going to do an episode tomorrow. Anyway, you'll you'll figure it out, listeners. Uh, you can find more about a lot of the stuff we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and links inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashhome.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time.